This is a rare opportunity because for the first time in quite a while, the actual feast of the Epiphany is January 6th and it's on a Sunday. Often in the past, when January 6th is another date during the week, we translate it to that Sunday. But this time, we're right on target, the Epiphany Sunday. And I'm going to start by reminding you of some things that are helpful right in your program. Because it begins to talk about the season of Epiphany, right for your learning. And I think it's important to understand the word Epiphany comes from the Greek, which means something like manifestation or showing forth. Others remind us the text is, the translation is revelation, to be revealed. Somehow God is revealing God's self to us so that we might take note and change our attitudes and behaviors. Also, as way of instruction, and I've used this in the past, so I use it again. On the St. John's website, we have a great resource because you can look up the scripture passages for each Sunday and it has narrations and study guides so that, in fact, we can be informed about some of the particular views of this particular day. And I was particularly struck by the response, reflection and response in this particular week's thing. And I want to read to you some of this because it's right there for you to have an opportunity to think on, meditate, and learn. It begins, doesn't it sound familiar? The death-dealing power is pitted against the vulnerability of new life. And go back to the history because it points out that the epiphany predates Christmas. There was not a Christmas service. The focus was epiphany, the manifestation of Jesus. And this is pointing out that, in fact, the vulnerability of new life, the birth of Christ, is at this time paramount in our minds. The wise people, caught up in systematic evils and dark forces that seem beyond their control, scan the skies for a sign of hope. Interestingly, very current for us, I think. Those who want to improve their lot know that their journey through unmapped experience will carry an exorbitant cost. That's something that many of us, I think, at least myself, would love to avoid. But if they do not attempt it, they die. So they summon all their resources and begin a quest that seems to defy logic. Be mindful that the wise men were not Jews. And it was they who saw this sign and symbol were drawn to the fact that something very significant was happening. The birth of a new life. When they go to see Herod, they actually confess to him that this child will be the king of the Jews. I'm sure that Herod found that as being very interesting news, non-threatening, of course, 
because he had the power of all Judaism. So here we are with these people, outsiders, coming to the Jewish nation and pronouncing that there will be a king of Jews. From a political standpoint, this is extremely frightening. But the birth is something so subtle and so powerful and yet different. Goes on, these seekers are the modern magi, alert to some new divine intervention. Once again, God's breakthroughs in history come through human beings. And we forget that. Many times when we look for a miracle or the God's presence, we're looking for something totally external when in fact most often it is the person next to us that reveals God's presence. This is something that all of us need to be aware of because I think too often we postpone that thought and we think that somehow someone out there or something out there will influence our lives when in fact many times It's a friend or a person who cares about us enough to tell us the truth. How do we recognize the magi around us? It says, the first clue is that they may look different, speak a different language, worship in a different church, or aren't in church at all. Yet they bravely pursue ideals they dare to hope and they invest themselves in that hope. How can we identify the Magi within ourselves? Perhaps in our restless spirit that no matter how much comfort it enjoys, hunts for something deeper, someplace closer to Christ. Perhaps in the childlike heart that is willing to trust the intuition and follow the star. Perhaps in that part of us that stubbornly perseveres despite formidable odds. Perhaps in our ability to tune out the cynics, the doomsayers, the voices of depression, and continue surely toward bright potential. The author goes on to say, but to be honest, we must admit that Herod lurks not only around us, but also within us. This paranoid betrayer was not above murdering members of his own family to secure his power. Behind Herod's facade of concern lies a trail of slaughter, toddlers butchered and young mothers weeping hopelessly. But he goes on to say, sometimes we sabotage our own best selves and ideals of others. We sneer at the reform. We silence our finest instincts. When life stirs, we deliver ourselves too tired, too old, too jaded, or too busy to welcome it. We yawn, and I like this, and channel surf. Closing our blinds to the star's persistent glow. Our routine may be deadening, but at least it doesn't demand such risk. Our friends may be boring, 
but at least they think we think they like us. Would it interpret this monologue too brutally to mention that Herod died a horrible death, a diseased death with blood of the innocence of stain upon his hands and shame haunting his name forever? Yet it is the amazing design of God, even Herod plays a part. He serves as an unwitting guide to people who refuse absolutely refuse to be intimidated. Verse 9 is pivotal. When they heard the king, when they had heard the king, they set out. The Magi listened to his phony spiel, but they were convinced of their own direction. Some journeys simply cannot be turned aside. This feast of Epiphany we celebrate the wisdom of the Magi, that we might open our hearts and minds and be present in that wisdom. And we, it calls us, and this is the hard part, you know, when you read the psalm, it calls us to be stewards of life, of helping the poor, the afflicted, those who are less fortunate than we. It's God's promise in that psalm to be present with all of us, regardless of what we face, regardless of our own faults, frustrations, and limits. That God's joy goes beyond those limitations. Epiphany, the manifestation of Christ, and as Paul calls, the revelation of God's presence here and now, is important. We need to be epiphany people. Much like our presiding bishop has asked us to be followers of the way of love, we must also reflect the light that draws us to new insights and wisdom. I experienced this indirectly because my father had an uncanny ability to do things that surprised me. For many years, he worked at American Optical in Buffalo, New York, and his greatest events were two, Thanksgiving and Christmas. Thanksgiving, he would run around the entire plant getting money so that they could help a family that was destitute and provide food for them. As he said, the first couple of experiences was for a month. And he was so pleased that the contributions one year were so much that they were able to provide food for a family of nine for six months. His other plan, playfulness, was to become Santa Claus. Now, you have to understand there were a lot of Santa Clauses, and I learned about Santa Claus I was not particularly pleased by many of them, but my mother made sure that his outfit was beautiful. It was a creation of her own. He had a metal buckle that was made by a machinist at the plant where he worked in American Optical. 
and he had boots, and he used to take the spirit gum and stick his beard on his face so that if a child pulled it, his skin would literally move and it wouldn't come off. He did all of this, and he also, likewise, like Thanksgiving, would run around American Optical. He happened to be a superintendent of one department, and he was trying to get departments to compete on which department gave the most money for Christmas because they went to all of the orphanages in Buffalo and would give gifts. So this one year in particular, he was particularly pleased only because they had raised the most money and also he was able to con most of the sports stores and toy stores and other stores that he needed to get double what they got the year before. And I remember the picture of all of the men from American Optical and women standing in front of their building in this huge array of toys for Christmas. Well, he played the Santa Claus and was always enjoying the fact that he was able to give out the gifts to the various orphanages in Buffalo. And it was really something that inspired him. And he just was thrilled at the moment of being able to share these gifts. Well, one day, one event, one orphanage, he went in the light of a child lit his heart. She was an orphan. Her parents had been killed in a car accident and she only spoke German. He went to her bedside and was just awed. And through the interpretation of one of the nuns, they were able to have a conversation. And he did something that he wasn't supposed to do But given the light of the spirit of the moment, he took a dowel, handed it to her, and said, this is yours. All of the gifts were always given to the orphanage for all the kids to play. But this child had her own gift. The next year, he went back, and she was there. She looked at him and said, you're the real Santa Claus. He looked at her. She tugged at his beard. She said, I know that you're the real Santa Claus. So I want to sing Tannenbaum. And she sang, oh, Tannenbaum. My father came home that night. Said to my mother, do we have room for one more? My mother, in a total state of panic and, in, and being pregnant, said, not exactly at this time in my life do we have, and we're still living in the old house. <laughs> so anyway, he said, well, he said, I was tempted, but she is such a beautiful person, and she reminds me of how much I have and how much God has blessed me. I think many of us see that kind of light in the eyes of others. That child, when I look at some of the commercials today, 
I actually see children smile, and I feel a light in myself because there's such joy and such hope. In this vulnerable time of the birth of Jesus Christ, that vulnerable birth has the power to share that light with us. And I hope that we rejoice in the joy of it. And that we're able in the epiphany season to recognize that everyone around us can share that light with us. And hopefully, we can share the light also. It's that season where, in fact, we need to understand that God calls us to be caring, loving, and trusting of one another. And also, as in the real epiphany, It wasn't just the Jews, it was the Gentiles. Paul, the prophet to the Gentiles, apostle to the Gentiles, reminded us that anyone can have that light and that faith. And it doesn't necessarily, as the uh, article points out, it doesn't have to be someone identical to us or of our faith or of our being but rather someone who sheds the light of God in our midst. May we be lights to one another, and may we be lights to a world so desperately needing care, love, trust, hope, and joy.